Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast, Friday, September 2nd, second podcast in a week, and man, it is a good one with Dustin Fry. want to welcome back Jack Oliver, Pools and Spa in Columbia for joining us for another season. More about them shortly and at TigerIllustrated.com. Even though the game is on Labor Day, still some time to wait, unfortunately. Plenty of coverage from Paul Strelo and yours truly at TigerIllustrated.com. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864 4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Football season is grilling season and Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio is South Carolina's premier source for the big three. Weber, Traeger, and Big Green Egg Grills. Blackstone Griddles too. I'm Jack Oliver. Grill all your tailgate favorites to perfection with a premium gas, charcoal, or pellet grill, then top it all off with something sizzling from your Blackstone Griddle. For grills, griddles, patio furniture, hot tubs, and saunas, shop in store or online at Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio, Forest Drive in Columbia, and jackoliverpools.com. I'm Josh Burrell, receiver and running back for the Florida State Seminoles. When I'm back home in the Midlands, I enjoy grilling and relaxing with my family, and we get everything we need from Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio. Thanks, Josh. I'm Jack Oliver, and we proudly offer the Big Green Egg, Weber, and Traeger Grills, Blackstone Griddles, and beautiful patio furniture, too. We're located at 3303 Forest Drive in Columbia and online at jackoliverpools.com. And we deliver. They're good people. Go see them today. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Okay, to our conversation with Dustin Fry, former Clemson offensive lineman and a member, a former member of Debo Sweeney's staff. What is the view of college coaching nowadays and all that it entails from someone who is totally detached from the industry and thus can speak very freely on it. This is a must-listen here on the realities of college coaching. Let's get to it. Enjoy. Okay, joined by Dustin Fry. Man, I am really excited to catch up with you and uh, tell a lot more about your story. How you doing, man? I'm doing really well, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Let's. Well, well I guess we. You know, we had you um, as part of our. Um, it was a series of articles called the Clemson 30 uh, a few months ago. And we just asked like three basic questions, like what you're up to now, your thoughts on the state of the program, and then your thoughts on the state of college athletics with NIL and the portal. So that was like a really super structured format. And at the time, I'm like, man, I'd like to have you on for 
to, to kick back a little more and just talk a, a lot more about you. And so can you maybe um, update everybody on, on what you're doing now, I guess up in Tryon, North Carolina still? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, still in Tryon. Um, you know, I'm kind of volunteering, uh, as the O-line coach, assistant D-line coach, um, with Polk County high school here. Uh, they're actually in Columbus. It's just a town over. Um, so, uh, that's been fun. I, you know, once, uh, uh, I'm going back a little bit, to, uh, when we got, you know, released from Arkansas in 2019, we were, um, you know, obviously still in Fayetteville and trying to figure out kind of where we're going to go and what we're going to do. And, and, uh, and then that went right into the COVID year, which was, which was super crazy. Um, so, um, just trying to, trying to find a place for, for our son to, to go to school, really both of our sons, but my oldest son's autistic and really wanted to get him in a good, good situation and a, in a good place where he can have a, a solid base and, and, uh, you know, stay in school for, uh, you know, stay in the same school for several years and not have to move them around. So, um, we did a lot of research and, and found this and Polk County schools are top three in the state and, and really just enjoyed this area and, um, you know, kind of ended up settling here and, and, uh, we haven't bought a house yet or anything. We're still, we're still renting, but, uh, we really love it here. And, uh, both kids just started school yesterday. Uh, my youngest is in, in preschool, which is, it's nice to, you know, it's been a long summer. Finally nice to get them both out of the house a little bit. And, <laughs> and uh, um, and they're, they're excited about it, which is great. You know, I don't remember being so excited about going to school when I was, when I was little, but they are super excited about it. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Um, it's been nice to kind of set some roots down a little bit. Uh, I'm not really had a chance to do that in my life. So, um, it's been, uh, it's been a good, been a good couple years. So I guess y'all have played two games, right? Yep. Yep. How, how have y'all games. done? First game, uh, we played Newton Conover, uh, which is kind of near Hickory. Uh, we're still in non-conference games. Played really well, won 48-28. They scored two touchdowns late. Um, then last week we played, uh, Christ school out of Arden, North Carolina, mm-hmm. which is a private school and, um, kind of ran into a little bit of a, a buzzsaw there. We didn't play quite as well. They, they have a, they have a really good team. We, uh, I think we lost, I don't know, 30, 39 to seven or something like that. It was really, should have been a little better than what it was. We, we dropped two touchdowns early and it's 20, nothing at halftime really should have been around 20 to 14 and, um, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's amazing seeing this type of high school football because coming from Somerville, coming from recruiting in, uh, Texas, um, you know, there's multiple depths. There's, there's 60, 70 kids on a team. You got two and three deep. You can practice offense and defense at the same time while we're a County school, we have combined JV and varsity about 40, 45 kids. And on varsity, we have about 25 kids. And so eight of our starters play both ways. Wow. And a couple of my linemen never come off the field. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's a new type of football for me, especially practicing practices are long because we have to practice an hour, hour and a half for defense. And then we kind of switch gears and then we practice an hour and a half of, uh, of offense, especially early in the week. 
Um, so it's, that was, that's new to me. And that was, that was really interesting. It's, um, I kind of really enjoyed it because it's given me an opportunity to coach on the other side of the ball a little bit, you know, and coach, coach defensive line and, and, uh, uh, kind of learn some new things and, and, you know, realize like, Ooh, I, I, you know, I need to step my game up on that side of the ball. I can, I can feel like I can coach a line all day, but I've got to give these guys some, some good technique and I gotta, I've got to learn myself, uh, some more things and keep learning. So, um, it's been good. I've, it's, you know, we only have, we only have, uh, three to four full-time coaches, uh, and then two or three more that kind of come volunteer. So we don't have a huge staff, but, um, the kids have grown up with each other their whole life. They played, you know, little league football together and, and, uh, everybody's really tight knit and they know how to practice. They practice hard and they understand that, Hey, it's, it's going to be a grind because we got to play both ways. So, um, I've enjoyed it. It's, it's been fun to, um, you know, just get back into the, the teaching and the coaching and, and developing kids and, and then get to, you know, the two things I love most are the, are the teaching and, and developing and the, and strategy game planning. I've always, I've always enjoyed that watching the, watching film, figuring out how we can beat them, uh, figuring out what to run, how to protect it. Um, and that at the core of it is what I get to do, uh, right now. So it's, it's been fun to, to, uh, kind of get my juices going a little bit back in football. Yeah, I mean, you said like every piece of your football experience until now has been big time, high pressure, um, and and, yeah. and just balls to the wall. Um, has it been? Has this been something you needed, like uh, to be enriched and to be like, man, I, it's been good to just get back to what it's all about, so to speak. Uh, I, I, I definitely, definitely. So, uh, you know, college football, and if it's, it's, um, there's a lot of highlights and a lot of fun in that, but there's also a lot of, um, drudgery and there's a lot of things that you have to do that, have, that don't even pertain to football. It's like, well, you know, just a lot of, uh, you know, guarding your desks and putting in hours where in, in non-efficiency and work where it's like, man, we can work hard and not have to spend 15 hours up here all day. We can get our work done, do everything we need to do. We don't need to be in the office guarding our desk for 15 hours a day. And, and that really is what drains you as a college football coach. Um, you just spend so much time away from your family, so much time hyper-focused on one outcome in your whole and, and this isn't complaining. This is how it is. But yeah. it's your whole year, everything leads up to 12 Saturdays a year. Everything you work for, your your early morning February uh, workouts, your, your spring ball, everything you do leads up to 12 Saturdays. And then you throw recruiting in on top of that. And those 12 Saturdays become even more important because you recruit a kid so hard. And then all of a sudden you have a bad season and it's, you know, it's difficult to, to keep them, you know, kind of keep them, uh, kind of going when you're like, Oh yeah, we're, we're two and six, but man, we're, we're fighting like hell, you know, and, and we need you to be a part of it. You got to keep selling and keep selling. And that's really what you kind of become. And I hadn't experienced the NIL. So I've, I've been out of it, you know, when, 
we still had to not saying they don't recruit, but we didn't have bags of money to throw at kids. Um, and so it's been so nice to, to kind of put some years back on my life <laughs> and feel, um, fulfilled with the true core and heart of football, which is developing kids, taking kids that, um, may not feel like they're as good or, or, um, you know, started out in spring and it's like, good, couldn't, couldn't, you know, do post footwork to save his life. Couldn't use, shoot his hands to save his life. And then all of a sudden here we are at the first of September and you're like, man, this is awesome. Cause he's doing, doing things that we've coached and his work and our work has paid off. Uh, and you get that in college you do, but it's drowned out by so much other noise, um, that it's hard to, uh, it's hard to get satisfaction in that because a lot of times in those football games, you may win a football game, but if your unit pet plays bad, oh, so say, you know, it, it's, you, you don't get, you don't get to have that joy. You don't, it's like, Oh man, God, I this film. Oh, you, you watch it. You play Saturday. You either watch it that night. Cause you're so juiced when you come home, it's hard to go to sleep or you watch it Sunday morning before you have to go into meetings and you're like, ah, oh, we won, but man, we gave up three sacks. We had some TFLs. We, we didn't execute like we should. We, you know, and then the, the reverse of that is you get your butt whipped, you lose a game, but Oh, we played pretty good. <laughs> so it's almost like, you know, there's so many conflicting um, emotions there and it's such a high and low. Um, and that's, you know, that's all sports and that's, that is what it is. And, um, but it is, it's, it's one of those things that you just, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to get that, uh, you know, get that joy out of it when everything's not good. It, nothing's really ever good enough, <laughs> you know, Oh, we can celebrate for 24 hours and we're on to the next one. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll, you know, move, keep moving on, on to the next one. That's what that beast is. That's what that is. It's so much money in it. It's all about the winning uh, and you know, I don't care what really anybody tells you. It's all about the W's at the end of the day. Um, it's, it is developing kids and building good, good character and getting kids degrees, but in livelihood of coaching, it's all about the W's and the L's. And if you got too many L's at the end of the day, you're going to be searching for a new job. And that's, that. that's just is what it is. I was cleaning out an office desk drawer, uh, a couple of days ago, uh, for the first time in I guess about fifteen years, and oh, man. I dug up I dug up a, this this uh, piece of paper. It was the salaries of of the Clemson football staff for the fiscal year oh six oh seven. So that would have been um that would have been your that, no yeah, yeah after you gone yeah it'd have been right after I left so yeah. I was 05, 06, and then I was yeah I got drafted in oh seven so that was right after yeah. I left and I can probably predict some of those salaries <laughs> I mean I. I, I can remember when, when uh, you know, a coordinator making three hundred thousand was like, "Oh man, this is you know." And and when coach, coach, uh, you know, Bowden was making, I don't know, maybe one point eight or two point two, and and now it's you know, you're making that at a uh, at a group of five school as a as a head coach. And um, but yeah, I'd like to hear what some of those salaries were. Yeah, it's like that. it's like punchlines here. I mean, like. All right. <laughs> You have. I'll start from the top. David Blackwell, one forty-two. He was linebackers coach. 
uh, running backs coach. Not, some analysts are making that. <laughs> yes. They're making more than that. Yes. At Alabama and bigger schools, you're making. I mean, Kevin Still was making like two seventy five as an analyst <laughs> at Tennessee or something. I mean, it's it's a that's crazy. I mean, even like you know, not not the not the retread head coaches, but even like Miguel Chavis when he was here, or Thomas Austin before he got promoted. He's a he was a yeah. G, he was a an analyst, but he's I think he's definitely making six figures more than yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, okay, so Andre Powell, one running backs coach, one forty five. Vic Coning, the defensive coordinator, two thirty. Uh, <laughs> so some guy named William Napier, who's now the Florida head football oh, yeah. How coach, seventy five <laughs> grand. Oh wow. Uh, Brad, Brad Scott, one fifty-five. Uh, Chris, he was making more of that as uh, as the, the high school relations at Clemson. <laughs> yes, for sure. Chris Rumpf, who's pretty decorated in his yeah, own he's right, pretty pretty good. Um, uh, ninety-five. Oh wow! Uh, what was the total coaches pool? I mean, that I, I didn't add it all maybe, up. Maybe two and a half million, maybe yeah. if that, including the head coach. <laughs> guy named Robert Spence, two hundred. Um, a guy named William. Sweeney, Swiney, Sweeney. How do you pronounce, how do you pronounce <laughs> yeah, that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where that. I wonder what happened to that guy. <laughs> One thirty-five. Oh man! And did, I, I think when he came from so in '03 after Stock left, I think he had to take a pay cut from his private job. Yes, to for come sure. Back into coaching. For I sure. think I remember something like that. He was like, ah, I don't know if I want to get back into it. He's doing really well. Um, in the in the private sector, and then I think I remember he had to take a pay cut to get back into coaching. Definitely, and then <laughs> and then and then Big Daddy Ron West, one thirty six. Big Daddy, <laughs> <laughs> love Big Daddy. The guy who the guy who had a hernia. He got a hernia during the brawl in 04. Oh, God. Oh, man. Um, but anyway, I remember Dabo. So it shows the next year's uh, fiscal year salary. Dabo got a raise to two hundred from one thirty five, and I remember at the time going, "Wow, that's amazing! Yeah, two hundred thousand dollars for a so receivers 50, coach, fifty percent raise. I mean, that's <laughs> big time." So anyway, I, I I say I use that as a preface to say that you know coaches nowadays are making a ton of money, but I feel sorry for them almost now um, because. Like you mentioned, twelve games a year. You know, you, you you everything is geared toward that. But even then, as you as you mentioned, like you could have a position group group that didn't perform well. Even even if everything goes right, you have a huge win. Your position group performs great. You have like four hours to truly be happy and to yes. celebrate it. But and then it's the, like the, you turn around and you have to. You know, oh, it's turn right focus to and the next you, game. And if you play a Thursday game after a Saturday game, then you're talking about the turnaround. There's it's non-existent. Like it's right away. You're moving on. You better watch. Start watching that film. We're coming in early on on Sunday because we're practicing. Um, you know, Sunday afternoon, and we're we gotta we gotta turn the page really quick. Um, you know, especially if you go Saturday night game and then into a Thursday week game. I mean, you're essentially pretty much taking a nap and coming into the office. And, you know, people probably listen to me like, boo-hoo, guys are making half a million dollars and all that. And that's rightfully so. I mean, college coaches make, you know, obviously they're in the in the 1% of, of salaries in, in the country. Um, but when you do break it all down, um, 
you know, it probably I'd like to see what it comes out to, to hour hourly. Um, but it's, it, it is, it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where the paycheck is great, but it's at what cost and what cost to your family, what cost to your health. Um, you know, you spend so much time, um, uh, you know, almost around other people's kids than you do your own. Um, but it's about finding what's important. And, 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 you know, there's so many great coaches and great people in the profession and, and some, some staffs can find that balance and coach Sweeney, coach Morris. Um, what always helped us is we were always allowed to have family around, have family in the building, have family night dinner, have family, um, you know, at practice, it was never a shutout of, of the building. And that's not every staff. Some, some coaches think that's a distraction. Some, some don't want the kids running around. And, uh, to me, when I finished practice and to have, you know, Ryan and Hudson or whatever, come on and run up to me at the end and get to see Laura, my wife. And that was always just gave me a little bit of juice to get to that end of the day. Um, you know, so, uh, it's really, if you can find that balance of it, it's, it's a great profession. Um, but it is, it's, it's getting to the point where the money's getting, so crazy that I think some people are getting to the profession for the wrong reason. Some people are really just getting into it to almost chase that check. And it's not about the development. It's not about, um, you know, the joy of, of winning. It's more about the, the chase of the recruit and how I can, you know, out, out recruit another guy and screw somebody over and screw another school over. And, and it's just getting to that point where it's a little bit, um, you know, kind of dirty a little bit, but, uh, um, if you can find the right staff and, and find the right balance, it's a very, uh, it can be rewarding, but those 12, those 12 weekends out of the year and that four hours of joy at the end of a game, when you won, and you're going back to the parking lot and your family's there, or you, you know, you get to the traffic's died and you're going to go home and that evening, especially after like a noon game or yeah. a three o'clock game. I mean, cause you pray for, as a coach, you pray for <laughs> noon games. Yeah. I mean, because that's, you're going to be done at three 30. You'll be home by five and the feeling there's no better feeling as a coach of sitting in your house or on your patio or whatever at five 30 in the afternoon on a Saturday after a win and having like picking up, you know, some just unhealthy restaurant food, like ordering <laughs> something that's just so you're just, Oh God, this is going to be so good. I'm about to kill these wings and, and eat all these chicken tenders I want and, and just, you know, maybe have a cold, cold beverage or two. And, and there's nothing better than that feeling as a coach. And that's really you know, what you kind of chased. And then the reverse of that, you're home at five 30 and you just got your, your butts whipped. Yeah. It's, it, it doesn't taste as good. The feelings, it's nice to be home at, and the sun still be up, but, uh, um, you know, you, you don't get that same vibe, but that is the, the home after a win or tailgating sitting around. You're just exhausted, but you're a little bit, caught your second wind and you're wired a little bit. That's, that's really that, that brief three, four hours. That's the chase. That's the hit. 
of of the coaches. It's like, man, this feels so good. This is all oh, the game plan came together. Oh man, that that scheme we drove up on red zone. Oh, that, we hit that perfect. Oh, I've got you know that's that's what you you know all the stuff you worried about through the week that you really shouldn't have worried about or. Um, you know, that's, that's the, the joy of the coaching that, that, uh, that time after a game, especially a home game after a win and, and getting to enjoy that vibe is, is pretty awesome. So you, uh, during the summer, you normally get like, like a full vacation where you're quote unquote detached, like two weeks. Is that about right? Yeah. I mean, so some, some schools do it differently. Uh, you know, coach Sweeney and coach Morris, we were always, we got a month off and we had to do, I don't know exactly where it's obviously been a while since I've been with coach Sweeney, but it was always the staff would get a month off like the, the main guys and you'd have to do like two office days. Um, so you got a full, a full, like almost 30 days off. Um, and it's usually, uh, mid June or the last camp from when that it's usually around, I always did it. It was right when the U S open and golf was starting. And then we would always come back right when the British open was, was starting. So that's kind of how my mind went. It was always during that time. And, uh, you know, you get to 4th of July and it was almost depression would creep over you <laughs> yes. around the 5th of yes. July. It was straight <laughs> depression of like, Oh God, this last 10 days is kind of fly it's already over. And Laura would already say, I see it. I see it coming. It's creeping in on you. Don't, don't, don't turn to the darkness on July 5th. <laughs> like at least enjoy your last 10 days of freedom. Cause you know, right then, you know, you get to July 15th or whenever, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm locked down to, to January. Maybe if you're, you know, it's, if you're, if you're playing in those late bowl games, it's, uh, and if you're not, you're, right when the season's over, you're on the road for three weeks recruiting for, for December. And then you're back on it again in January and February. So you just knew what was coming. And it was, uh, you went from a month of man doing whatever you want and, and, you know, playing golf and being with the family to look at your golf clubs and looking at your family and being like, Hey, see you in January. You know, that's kind of, kind of what it felt like. But, uh, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what we, we would get. You'd kind of, but some coaches, you know, I know, um, Joe Craddock was, was at UAB and under, under Bill Clark, they got two weeks, like total two weeks of summer. It was, they got the, the, like the two weeks, the July through the 4th of July and would come back. They'd be July, June 28th or 29th. And then they'd come back like July 13th. And that was their summer. And, and that's, that's a, that's a battle right there. That's a grind. That's, that's hard to, to, uh, to wrap your head around when you don't have that, that break. And, uh, something coach Morris, coach Sweeney always did is they always built in. You knew for one, you always had your schedule a year in advance. So you're always like, all right, here's spring break. We know we're getting these days off. Here's our an extra, uh, here's our bi-week schedule. Okay, great. We're going to get these time off. Um, here's, um, you know, our, our, our January, February schedule. Okay. We're going to get these weekends off. We're not going to do recruiting on these. So that always helps. You could always build in your head. Okay. We're working to this time. We're working. And we know when the three day weekends coming in the off season, we know when this stuff's coming, but, um, I don't know if all coaches do that. You know, I don't know if, uh, if all coaches are as organized as that where they could, they build their schedule a year out in advance. I also think about like, 
now is so there's so many differences now if you're a college coach um one is that you know traditionally you spend all year busting your ass on a recruiting class yeah that class signs in february and it's like oh all right now it's time to move on to the next class next class well now it's like there's no real deep breath because in a lot of cases you got to keep recruiting those guys never there's never, never a deep break. We would do, we would sign. So if we had whatever signing day was in February, it was, all right, we got to have every one of our 2023 guys on the phone, on FaceTime, talking to coach. Hey, it's, it's your time next year. At this time next year, hey, it's, you're only a year away from, from, you know, you're going to be shining this time next year. And it's just, it's a never, it's a never ending saga of recruiting. And, and now I, I couldn't imagine, I remember getting a lot of calls as a recruit, but it was never, the social media wasn't there. They had to call the house on that. I think they may have, they may have my cell phone number. I'm pretty sure they did, but I feel like I got more calls to the house. You know, you'd get a lot of uh, letters, but now kids don't even, we write letters, but kids would start, like we would do polls after a recruiting cycle and be like, what did you like about recruiting? What didn't you like? What should we do more of? And the kids were like, you, we went to a recruit's house on a home visit and he had every one of our handwritten letters unopened sitting in a box. Mm. I mean, just cause they don't have, it's more about the quick text or the quick, uh, you know, video message or the, the graphics and anything that's, they can care less about a handwritten letter. And for me, when I would used to get handwritten letters from Brad Scott or Tommy Bowden or, or, you know, whoever, whoever it was from other schools, Lou Holtz and all that, it was like, Oh man, this is awesome. You know, these guys are writing letters and, and, and now it's just more about, um, you know, staying in touch with texts and kids don't really like to talk on the phone as much and, and trying to find that, that, that way to reach them, you know, maybe through TikTok or, or snap, <laughs> it's different. It's a different, uh, it's a different vibe of, of recruiting now than it, than it used to be. Um, uh, but yeah, they just, they don't care about, they don't care about the letters and, and, and some kids, you, it's like, have, have you ever talked to somebody in person? Cause it's like, <laughs> You know, hey man, how's it going? Would you, you know, would you, uh, what, how was school today, man? What'd you get into? Uh, it was good. We had class, went to practice. Okay, yeah, well, how'd practice go? It was good. Yeah. Okay, what, what you, what you gonna have for dinner? I don't know. Whatever mom makes, you know, it's like, good God. It's like pulling teeth, but then you text them and it's like, pop, 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 pop. You got your constant three dots getting, uh, you know, getting paragraphs back of information. Um, it's, it's just a, it's an interesting thing and, and texting's, you know, fine and, and all that, but it's hard to, you know, it's hard to get any type of uh, emotion through text. Like, Oh, was that, you know, was that sarcastic? Was that real? Was he laughing with that? You know what? It, it's, it's just hard to get that, uh, get that vibe. So <laughs> there, there's so much about the, process that just doesn't make much sense like if i if i like if i were from australia and i knew nothing about college football and i came over here to study it you know to try to figure it out like i'm like wait a minute you have these 55 year old 
white guys <laughs> who who have nothing usually usually not always nothing in common with these this these seventeen year old guy seventeen year old kids almost zero in common socially politically verbally whatever and it's yeah. like hey man how was school <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? what is and, that and a lot of it a lot of it was too you'd get you have to be you know, I always tried to be more just like let's talk instead of having fake enthusiasm. Because right. you could you could you could read through that as a kid so much, like yeah, and you'd hear other coaches being like, "Hey, what's up, big dog?" You know, it's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> shut up! Just talk to him like he's a person. <laughs> Ask him, you know, you don't have to be just constant fake enthusiasm all the time." And you get that sometimes, and it just it is you are a you're sitting here just so many times you get a call at like eight thirty nine at night when you you're finally home or whatever if it's a evening you're off or th- and you're leaving and go and talk to a kid on the phone or you're 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 just getting you're getting dragged away because obviously the phone is is always there or you're you know you're getting called uh, hey this kid's gonna FaceTime you here and I love that okay let's let's go I gotta <laughs> sorry Laura I gotta go let's pause Game of Thrones so I can go uh, um you know, FaceTime with this kid and his family, which is great, but you try to, you try to do that in during the day. And we kind of had a good thing at Arkansas. We would do Mondays because Mondays we didn't practice. Monday was all game planning. So we would, we were able to get, you know, six, six o'clock. We would, we would go from like eight to eight. We'd get a 12 hour day. Coach Moore say eight o'clock, get out of here, go home. Cause we knew what the week was after games. And we got a lot of work done that way. And so, but around six o'clock we would start, FaceTiming with kids and getting kids on the phone. And that, that was good. That, that helped kind of cut it. So where you weren't going to do it, um, in the evenings when you got home and you can cut that off, but it is, it's so, it's so weird. And we were, we were very much cause, cause we recruited so much heavily in Texas and, and coach Morris obviously was from there. We, we couldn't make any offers or do talk to any kids before we talked to the high school football coach. So everything went through the high school football coach, everything. And then it was, then we'd find all the information out. If we were going to offer a kid, Hey coach, I just want to let you know, you know, after talking to him, Hey, we're going to go ahead and offer so-and-so. Oh, appreciate you letting me. I mean, it was, it was, there was a step. You don't just call and offer a kid and say, Oh, we're going to offer them. And then all of a sudden the head football, the, the high school coach never knew. Um, and it, it, same thing with their parents. You wanted to get with their position coach and find out what type of player he was. You wanted to talk to, um, you know, all the people around him to kind of find out who he was. And then you'd kind of would make that decision. And that helped too. That helped figure out what things to talk about. That helped figure out kind of what their back life was. And to me, that's, that's like the only way I can, I can, it was always hard for me when I'll just offer him. Well, I haven't talked to his coach. I haven't talked to, it's hard for me just to offer. Well, Alabama, all them's offered. Well, an Alabama offer is just a, Hey, I like you come to camp. It's not a real offer until, you know, we'd always tell kids, Hey, try to commit to Alabama. They offer you try to commit, see if they'll take it. Um, and a lot of times it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a real offer. We tried to, I think Coach Sweeney is the same way. If we offer a kid and he tries to commit, he's ours. We can't. We're never going to do a. Eh, I don't think so. Let's get you to camp first. It was. It was never that. So we had to do so much due diligence before we kind of made that offer. And and I think that was one thing we did good. 
But once we got to Arkansas, it was almost like, boom, Tennessee offered, Ole Miss offered, Alabama offered, Georgia offered. And here we are like, hey, coach, um, you know, what do you think about the kid? Well, hell, coach, everybody's already offered them. it's like well we just you know and sometimes we were late to the party a little bit uh, um because we wanted to do that due diligence and um that helped with some of our kids but then you kind of feel like god we got to get in this somehow um and and we're late uh, so we try to be first on kids but it was always going through the whole channels first there were several channels we needed to go through before we just threw our offers yeah, it's almost like that methodical process works, but only in certain circumstances. Like, it, it works yeah. for Clemson for sure, you know, because that's yes, part of their whole yeah. formula. And it worked great for us at SMU because it was a you know we're not recruiting against uh, you know uh, Alabama and it worked great for us in Texas because it was a Texas Texas school with Coach Morris with Texas ties to be able to call those coaches and not seeing other coaches in other States, but those coaches are so appreciative and want to be tied into their players because they're under pressure too to get their kids recruited and to make sure, you know, through booster clubs, because Texas high school football coaches make, you know, they don't teach, they get a lot of them get, you know, a truck uh, paid for and a lot of them make over hundred K a year. And so that booster club, you know, it, they, why aren't our kids getting recruited like that school across town? Why isn't? And so, um, you know, they wanted to be tied into it and uh, that would help them. So we were, you know, it was great at SMU. I mean, we uh, felt like we did a really good job. And some, we beat some, we beat TCU on some kids. We beat Baylor on some kids and, and because we were so methodical. Um, but then when you jump into the grinder of the SEC, we had to change our, a little bit. I mean, we tried to stay true to who we were, but we had to change our, our strategy up a little bit and get on kids earlier and maybe not do as, as much uh, due diligence with them. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Want to share a quick word? about Founders Federal Credit Union. If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Another loyal supporter of 
the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parham Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. You've had a lot of time to sit back and sort of reflect. Like, what, what do you, how do you view, um, you know, y'all's, y'all's uh, tenure at SMU and then Arkansas? And I'm just curious, just for observation, sort of with all this hindsight uh, that you have the benefit of now, just sort of uh, when you're not in the moment anymore that you can sort of. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, SMU, uh, looking back, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. You'd look back and say, man, I wish we would have stuck around there for, for a few more years probably and, and not have have jumped into to taking that job so soon. Um, I guess we were having, we just, I mean, we were one and 11 when we got there and we got them to eight and four. We were eighth in the country when we left. I mean, we were, we were bringing in good recruits, but you know, not knowing all that, we probably would have, you probably still do it again to jump into the sec and get back into that game time football. And, and, uh, we felt like we could, you know, that we could do a good job at Arkansas and, and we, but we thought we'd have, four years to yeah. flip a flip a roster, a pro style roster and, and, and flip that over. And, um, what I, what I take, you know, from those is they are still starting kids that we recruited. Um, and we haven't been there in three years, their offensive line last year, four of them were guys that I brought in four mm. or five, uh, this year, three of their five are guys that I brought in. Um, at, at SMU, I still had three kids starting last year that I brought in at SMU on their offensive line. So I look back at that just for me personally and just say, okay, my evaluations, I didn't, I didn't hit on everybody. And, and yeah, I did have some guys I brought in that ended up not playing, but the guys that, you know, for the most part, the core of my guys, they, they were pretty good players. And, and I, I'm, you know, if anything, looking back, it makes me okay. Some of the stuff I did and how I evaluated and how sometimes I was slower or took kids that maybe were a little under the radar because I liked how they played and I liked how they how they were in the family. If anything, it just it makes me feel better knowing okay that was the right move. Uh, um, but uh, same thing, we you know they still all those a lot of those skill positions Arkansas had those were all kids, you know, uh, the, the kid that got drafted to, to Tennessee. Um, we, those were all our kids that we brought in that they had success with their quarterback, KJ Jefferson, Joe Craddock did a hell of a job recruiting that kid out of Mississippi. There was such a huge deal about, uh, you know, having a, it had been since the eighties, since uh, a, a black kid had started for quarterback at Arkansas. And Joe was, I don't care. I mean, we're this kid's, I love this kid, KJ Jefferson. I'm going down to Mississippi and I'm going to get him. And I remember all of us going down there as a whole staff and meeting him and meeting his family. I mean, just a great kid. And look what that kid's doing now. He's still starting for him. So, you know, to, to take solace for me and Joe and, and even and Steph and those, that, that man, we, we did the right thing. And, and some of the kids we recruited there, that they're still successful. And we know that, if we were given more time, you know, I definitely think offensively 
um, we we would have had that success in year three or four. And and um, you know there were some things that I'm not going to get into defensively that I didn't agree with, and and how that how that whole uh, thing was going down on that side of the ball, and, and not not saying we were perfect on offense because certainly we weren't. We had we made mistakes and did did different things, but there were some things on that side of the ball. You could see that it's, it's not, uh, it's not what it needs to be. Um, and we just, it, it just kind of come, come crumbling apart a little bit and you can, you can feel it a little bit. Uh, um, and it just, it was disappointing. Cause I do think we, we'd be sitting here and in, in year four or five and yeah, we may, may have been on the hot seat or not, but if, if we were to get more time, I think we were really close to having that roster flipped and, and, and competing in the sec. I mean, I, I, I truly believe that. And, uh, you know, coach only got coach Morris only got 22 games. He, you know, he was fired 10, 10 games in. Um, and it just, or 10 games into his second year, it was, uh, uh, it was a difficult time, but yeah, looking back, I, I, I'm proud of some of the stuff we did there. Uh, there's a lot I wouldn't say there's a lot but there's things I would do differently there's things I would coach differently um you know but that's always when you when you get fired you you have that time to reflect so um I've I've moved on from it if anything I'm just happy to succeed see the guys that I recruited have some success and see um those guys do really well and I if anything I you know I I root for Arkansas because I I like I like those kids. I like their families and I want to, I want to see them win. You mentioned that when you first get there, it's like, Oh, we're going to have four years and everything's hunky dory. Do you recall at what point it was, it became like, uh Oh, like it, like Chad might've walked into a staff room and said, guys, I'm not sure. I I don't know what's going to happen to anything like that. Well, we didn't, you know, usually you get a rollover after your first year, they roll over your contract and we didn't get rolled over. Mm. So we went from a two year to one year and they all talked about, Oh, we're going to roll you over, roll you over. And we never got a rollover. So we went into our second year with a one year contract and, and, and there was no like, uh, Oh, you get six months if we fire you. No, it's like done. And so that, that was kind of a red flag for, for me. Uh, that's when I really started upping my, contributions to my savings account and really started, (laughs) you know, making sure everything was in, in, uh, the right state because it just didn't, it didn't feel, feel right. You know, and I saw, I mean, I, I don't want to say here, but there were some, some guys that just, they weren't, they weren't putting in the time in the recruiting of players that they should have putting in the time of building relationship with recruits, and putting in time general of, of, of just trying to be, uh, the best we could be. And, and, um, we saw that as an offensive staff, we had a great offensive staff. I mean, if you look at, we had Joe Craddock, he's the OC at, at Troy now, Justin step, which is, is unbelievable at uh, uh, South Carolina as a receivers coach. Now, Jeff trailer was our running best coach. You see what he's done as a head coach at UTSA. Um, and then Barry Lunny, who was an Arkansas guy. He's the OC at, he was the OC at UTSA. Now he's the OC at Illinois back under Brett Bielema. And so we just, we had a, 
and and then you got me. I'm the uh, volunteer coach at a Polk County high school. You know, <laughs> I mean, come on. So, uh, um, but uh, we had a we had an incredible offensive staff, and all those guys were. Yeah, one of our GA GJ Kenny was is now the head coach at a small school in a college in Texas. I can't remember which one it is. Um, you know, uh, my GA, Mark Modletsky, he's, he's coaching running backs at Long Island university. Um, so we, we had, we, uh, Ty Gadsden, my other GA, he's, uh, he's working for the 49ers now in a, in a scouting department. I mean, we had a great core staff in there and coach Morris let us do our thing. And, and, um, you know, it, it was, I felt like we were going in the right direction with it and uh, just a great group of guys to work for and, and work with. And um, I definitely, definitely feel we, we, we would have had some, some more success, especially offensively. But yeah, that's, that was a red flag when your check didn't, didn't roll over our contracts. And, and then, you know, it, we just, just, there were some vibes that you just feel, you know, when you're around a winning program and then you kind of, feel some things it just kind of has that vibe and you're like hey this isn't this isn't going well um but we also had your check come in and say hey everything is fine nothing hey y'all mm-hmm. guys are doing a great job blah, blah, blah. Wow. three weeks later chad's nuts are cut and we're like well now we got to play two more we had a bye week and then had to play lsu in missouri so it's like well we got three more weeks of this and and we know it's we're out the door and so all i knew to do was i'm just going to keep coaching the line like like nothing happened like we're going to go out i i treated individual the same way you know everybody but you know i'm still going to coach i'm not going to go out there and and just ah, screw it it's like we can still we can still develop and i can still spend the last three weeks with the guys hey trying to uh you know, trying to, trying to get better. And then at last, you know, when I got to Arkansas, we were, it was, they had given up way too many sacks in the, the years before. And, and I was just big harping on, you know, like, God, we need to, we need to, let's get these sacks down. Let's, let's protect our quarterback. And I think um, our last year, we gave up just 19 sacks. Now that sounds like a lot, but 19 sacks in the SEC um, from where the two years before they gave up like 42 and so I was big into like, man, let's finish these last two games out, trying to get under 20 sacks, trying to average under two sacks a game, you know, just something, something to feel good about, something to win about. And, and so I was like, all right, well, let's, let's keep coaching. And now, you know, we get to kind of, um, Joe and I are like, let's, you know, we can kind of have some fun, not saying we didn't have fun or control, control the offense, but it was like, now we can you know, kind of try some crazy stuff and let's do, you know, what, like, who cares? Let's, let's, let's put some stuff on film that, that will be fun and do all that. So it was, it was a tough, it was a tough time, a tough three weeks finishing that season. But, um, you know, all I, all I thought about was just, I'm just going to keep coaching, pushing, pushing them hard to try to finish out the season as best we could. And, um, you know, that's really all you can do. It's hard to, it's hard to just quit and just kind of, when you know, things are like, ah, I usually would, wouldn't accept that. And I'm going to accept that. No, I can't accept that still. I still can't accept that, you know, with, with thing on the field or steps or footwork or hand placement, I'm still going to coach him up. And, and cause that's again, going back to 
what I enjoyed. I enjoyed the strategy and I enjoyed development and teaching. And that's, um, at the end of it, it's like, well, we're not recruiting. So I guess I get to <laughs> develop and teach and just, you know, cause the hell I was calling any kids that last three weeks because I ain't recruiting yeah. for Arkansas anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna teach and strategize and try to do the best we can these last few games. So it's kind of wild thinking of the last decade at Clemson, you know, high profile assistants who are trying to figure out, all right, what is the right move? You know, you had Chad, um, I think he had maybe flirted with NC State and Texas Tech um, before, and a couple of years before he, he all left for SMU. You had <clears throat> Brent Venables, um, had a number of opportunities, including a year ago, or I guess a year before he left for Oklahoma. He was really close with Auburn. And, yeah, and, and and he almost took that job, but the but the dysfunction with their administration uh, sort of yeah, he sca- probably dodged that. Yeah, and so yeah. you know he 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 says no thanks to that, and it pays off a year later with a freaking dream job, you know, back in Absolutely. Oklahoma. Yeah, Jeff Scott, whose name was thrown around in some uh, with some other schools. Well, then he takes South Florida. You had Tony Elliott, who a year before he took the Virginia job, he, he was hot and heavy with Tennessee, but he felt like yeah, that wasn't the right yeah. time. I think Central Florida before that, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like you just never know. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like with, in Chad's case, I mean, it sounds like SMU was absolutely the right move and that maybe the, 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 the part of, like, that you mentioned that maybe just looking back in hindsight is, hmm, maybe we should have waited for a, a, a job with uh, – you know, where we were in a better position to, yeah. to win. Yeah. And, and we could have easily ended up, you know, cause, uh, the guy, uh, Sonny was, is Cumby, uh, I think is it Cumby or who Dykes, whoever came Dykes, Sonny Dykes. That's right. Sonny Dykes. Um, you know, we could easily ended up, he's at TCU now and we could easily have, you know, went across town after five or six years there and, and, uh, kept our recruiting, um, you know, all our relationships in that state. And cause we built, you know, we built those relationships up over those three years at SMU. It was, you know, I felt like I could walk into all my schools and know the coaches and, and know, you know, kind of who they had and just had so much great relationship with so many Texas high school football coaches where we still did in Arkansas, but instead of, you know, leaving your campus and driving around and going hitting 10 schools because they're all, you know, in the, the Metroplex area. And now it's like, Oh, we either got to, you know, take the school plane down to Dallas and then spend two weeks down there or drive down there, which is about four and a half hours and drive back. You know, there was just, it was a different, it was a different thing. And we still tried to recruit Texas as hard as we could, but, um, you know, you had to kind of hit the hot spots more than, uh, build those relationships in some of the small schools, uh, like we did in SMU. Um, but it is, it's hard to know. It's so hard to know if you're making the right decision, if you're jumping in and really you won't know. I mean, it's, uh, you try to, you try to see what kind of roster they have. You try to talk to people and, um, but really it's, it's a, uh, calculated crapshoot. And, and that's really, you, you think, you know, okay, this would be the right decision, but you know, with stuff like that, I, I can't look back and, you know, we left to Clemson. Clemson won the national championship the year after we left. Um, so, but for me, people are like, are you, are you upset you left? No, because that started 
my career going into SMU. I finally got my own room. I was a position coach. So as would I have loved to been there to win a national championship with Clemson? Absolutely. But I don't regret starting my career and having my own room and finally getting, cause I was in this to, to be a offensive line coach in college, not to be a, a GA or play development coach at a national championship school. Um, so maybe Chad may have had some regrets. Other, you know, coaches that have left and in the school had won a national championship. I'm sure there's some regrets there, but for me, um, there was, there was no regrets on my end for, for that. Um, you know, but, uh, it is, it's, it's tough to know. And there's, you, and there's so times too, you, you get, um, you know, you get recruited from these schools, from these administrations to be their head coach, but it's, then you finally get there and it's like, Oh crap, they didn't tell me about this. <laughs> they didn't tell me about all this crap. They didn't tell me about, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, how the, how the board of trustees are, the, you know, how the dysfunction is, all the, all this stuff they sold me is all really, you know, half of it is, is pipe dreams. Um, you know, you don't know that until you, you sign that contract and you get into it. So, uh, it is tough. It's, it's tough to figure that out. And, and, um, you know, I, it's, it is what it is in that, in that regard. You just, you just have to jump in and do the best you can and, and, and work your ass off and, and, hopefully you're given the time to uh, make things happen. How, how long, how many years were you a GA at, at Clemson? Just, just, uh, so I, my first year was player development and then Joe and I, they wanted to get Joe and I able to coach on the field. So they switched us to GAs our last two years, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> our first year's player development. I think we were making like 25 or 30,000 boom the next year they upped those player developments to like 60,000 wow. or 40 yeah so but we Joe and I didn't care we we're like we wanted to be able to coach run the scout team defense be able to help you know coach Carwell coaching the offensive line you know that's where you learn going day in day out of of coaching kids and and um you know watching defenses so you know how to set it up for for the scout team and you know all that that's where you really get you you've learned so much about football so much you know i learned more about coverages and defense coaching you know being a ga because i joe and i ran the defensive scout team uh that's where i learned so much about defense and and um you know watching defenses and being around coach venables and and he'd be around wesley because wesley was there when we were there and and so um, I've learned so much about it doing that because you had to do it every day and we wouldn't draw cards. We would signal in, we would use BV signals and we would, so we could, cause we were tempo. So we could flow in and out of defenses. And so Joe, other, unless it was a crazy wacky blitz, we wouldn't draw cards. We'd signal in the defense and we'd sit. And so we'd sit there and script it, you know, next to the offensive script of what we needed to run. And, and we kind of were allowed to, freelance hey they're you know they play quarters to trip sometimes but hey sometimes they play four trace sometimes they play one high and we would and you know and blitz you and so we were given freedom to do that and so we tried to give the best look and the most realistic we could where some GAs will just they'll draw a card and it's here look at this card oh it's the same defense the same front every time where we had a, a, a opportunity to be able to you know switch things up and 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 
you know, change it and give a, try to give the best realistic look we could. And, and we enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. I mean, we got to, we got to almost be defensive coordinators during, during practice. Uh, um, and so that was, that was a lot of fun for us. Chad, obviously you mentioned uh, him watching the Nat- Clemson win the national championship the next year. I mean, it had to be, um, he certainly had to have some mixed feelings watching Deshaun, the guy that he, oh, for I mean, sure. the, the time he invested. Oh, for sure. I mean, he was central to that recruitment going to Gainesville and sitting watching basketball. Absolutely. Can you, do you have any, what, what are your recollections of the recruitment? Uh, as, as just from, uh, I don't know how involved you were or how, you know, how close. Of close, Deshaun? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, to be honest with you, Chad did such a great job recruiting. I remember, you know, sitting in those meetings and, and it would be, um, you know, Deshaun would have a basketball game on Thursday night and Chad would be like, Hey, you know, we'd be sitting there and, and, uh, you know, you'd go around the room and talk about all your recruits and coach Sweeney would ask Chad, Hey, uh, you know, and Chad be like, um, yeah, uh, family and I, we're going to drive, we're going to drive to Gainesville and go watch, uh, Deshaun play basketball tonight. Um, we're going to go. And he was constantly, constantly, go into, you know, go into watch a game or go into see, uh, you, you know, you couldn't really have contact, but you'd be there in the stands. And he spent, he spent a ton of time, you know, it was not just phone calls. He was, he was ever present at a lot of Deshaun's sporting events and, um, you know, that, that whole deal. So he was, he did a lot of that on his own. You know, uh, we always heard about it. You heard about, it. we would write letters to him every week and, you know, all that stuff. And, and, um, obviously when he'd come on campus, you, you treat him like a King and, um, and he was, he was great recruiting. Deshaun was, you know, uh, obviously I, it's pretty awful to hear the situation, uh, he's put himself in now, but at that time he was, you, you couldn't do nothing but love him because he was such a, such a good, a good kid and a good person. You wish all people were the way, you wish you could, uh, all recruits were that way, that easy to recruit. Not saying he was easy to recruit, but just he had such a down, down home vibe. He was not a big headed kid like, like some were. Um, you know, I guess uh, some of that's changed now. I don't know. I, I'm not, can't really speak on, on that because I haven't had, uh, I haven't talked to Deshaun in probably five or six years. Yeah. So. I remember Chad, before Deshaun got there, I asked him, you know, how good is this kid? And his eyes got really big. And he said, he's like Vince Young, except with a stronger arm, I think is what he said. Yeah, better than Vince Young. He but, was yeah, unbelievable. Way he, better he than got me. there fresh that, that first spring, because he came in early, him and Chad Kelly did, it was like, oh, my God. He would he would have – we would be coming in off the practice field, eating lunch or eating our dinner and then going in to watch meetings, and he would have already had, hey, play uh, six of team, team pass – um, what, you know, what, what do I need? He would have already had a watch and, and asking questions. Like he was that, uh, devoted to it. And just like, this is different. This is, this is very different, um, for a kid that should still be in high school doing this. So yeah, it was, it was pretty special to watch. So that's why the last three years have been almost devastating. Um, to yeah. see, see yeah. how that, that's gone. So I'll never forget your dad. Uh, this was, this, this was an August camp of 14, and at that time, it was still very unheard of for a freshman quarterback to come in and sort of 
you know, tower above college football, you know, just to be a supreme playmaker. It just didn't really happen back then. Yeah. The way it has the last eight years. And so I was still sort of in that conventional mindset. And this is after one of the scrimmages and your dad's, your dad had watched the scrimmage. I wasn't able to, uh, because as being part of the media, but anyway, your dad stops by as he's walking out and I'm like, you know, we're just small talking. And I said, so you think Deshaun's got a chance to make an impact this year? <laughs> and he goes, Larry, he's the best player on the field, man. He's like, yeah, yeah, I think so. And I'm like, oh, oh, crap. I've been yeah, underestimating yeah. this kid. It was legit. <laughs> it was legit. I mean, we had two. Chad Kelly was right there with it. And, you know, Chad Kelly's his own. That's a whole different opposite <laughs> style. But he was obviously very talented, super talented, but a different you know, different headspace right there. Um, so seeing that battle and seeing, yeah, man, that was, that was nuts. That was nuts to see those two type of quarterbacks, uh, you know, battle each other out. And you're like, they were playing high school football last year. This is crazy how good these guys were. But Deshaun just had that, that thing about, he was so smooth, so calm and collected, didn't get over, you know, never got, uh, never got, uh, to where it was too big for him or overwhelmed. He was just, you only see guys like that, you know, probably every other decade or so. So it's, it was pretty impressive. Well, Kelly did, Kelly melted down in that spring game and then he was gone. Yep. Yep. I was on the, I, I was standing right next to it. I was standing right next to it. Uh, he wanted, he wanted Dan Brooks to go for a, in the spring game, <laughs> the spring he wanted game. to go for it on fourth one. And he, he ended up, uh, saying some stuff to Dan that I mean, Dan's I mean, guys coached <laughs> more football than 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 anybody on the staff, and you're gonna disrespect that guy? No, no, that's yeah. So it, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy um, at that point. It was pretty crazy to see see that temper and see his his. Uh, him so quick to blow up, but uh, he was talented. I mean, Chad was Chad Kelly was talented, um, but it was it was pretty nuts. So. so I know you have to go. Uh, you have to go pick up one of your children and and, yeah, and if, start preschool. So he gets out. He gets out at noon the first week of school, and then it goes to three next next week. So, first, so I'm, first, I'm just curious. Like I know that you, you you probably talked to a number of your former colleagues who are still out there grinding away are, are they as they hear about your you know your leisurely summer and your your Man. mornings off and i mean are they jealous I was actually texting with justin step all like last night this morning <laughs> and he actually t- asked me he goes man do you miss any of this shit <laughs> i was like I, you know there's times i do there, there's times i do and there's time and and it, and I'm not going to sit here and say that college football is completely over for me or anything like that. I never want to say that, but there's, you know, there's, um, I, I really enjoy, uh, having that, that time to, you know, I'm going to pick Ryan up and I'm going to spend, hang out with him for the next two hours. And then he's going to go to practice with me for, wow. uh, the first 30 minutes. And then my wife will come pick him up and, and just to be able to have a real life and actually like I've made some really good friends here in Tryon that have nothing to do with football. They're just guy, local guys and, 
and you know, cause I've joined the, the golf club around here and I've made some, there's some great people <laughs> around here and I've never gotten to do that. I've never yeah. gotten to, to be around civilians, you know, as they say, like <laughs> non-coaching and not that whole. Um, so it's been, it's been, uh, it's been really great. And I don't know what'll come next. I, I, I do enjoy coaching. Um, I do enjoy that. I, you know, I, I don't want to say I'll never, never jump back into it if, if, uh, if an opportunity arises. Um, but it, it has been nice to step back from it the last uh, few years, for sure. These are undoubtedly priceless moments for you and your family that you're going to treasure and be thankful for forever, for sure. So, yeah, yeah, it, it has been great. And I, and I want to one, one thing before, and I, I, I hate to kind of end on a sour note a little bit, but just, I don't think it's known out there right now, but I talked to Will Proctor yesterday and, and, um, apparently, uh, Tim DeBeer has passed away. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know, but, um, I just found that out yesterday and, and Tim DeBeer was, was our most, my roommate with me, Will and Cole Chasen mm. in the Calhoun courts. And, uh, so, uh, you know, we've been thinking about Tim and, uh, I, I wish I'd have stayed better in touch with him over the last few years. And I, I know he had some, uh, a few, you know, back issues and stuff like that. And, and, uh, but just thinking about Tim DeBerry, he's part of our Clemson family, part of, you know, our offensive line back then. And, um, you know, just thoughts with his, with his, his parents and his family and everything now. Cause it's, it's, I know they're going through a tough time and, and, uh, you know, ho- hopefully, uh, um, you know, our group of guys, well, I was talking, texting with Reggie as well, Reggie Merriweather and, you know, just talking about, we need to, we need to stay closer. We need to get together. We need to talk, you know, be around each other more and kind of reminisce a little bit and do all that. So, um, I know I hate to kind of end on that note, but just, just thinking about Tender Bear and his Certainly. family, uh, at this, at this time. So. Certainly. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty rough. Yeah. That's, that's really, mm, I'm sorry. Um, well, Dustin, I'll let you hit the road, but, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you, Larry, having me on this, man. You've always been great to me. Uh, you've always, always done a great job in, uh, everything you've done. And, and, uh, uh, I look forward to, come watch you play some drums here in the, in the off season. A little yeah. Bit. Come down the mountain uh, and uh, go yeah, to the freight yard. Wish, Spartanburg. Wish, yeah, absolutely. I wish you were there that night that we went, but uh, man, y'all's band can kick it, man. They're so good. you like the, They're you like good. the grateful brothers? Oh dude. Grateful brothers are unbelievable. <laughs> it's, so uh, I want to come see uh, amongst the trees as well. So, uh, but yeah, y'all did a great job and I appreciate you, man. I always, one, one more thing. I'll always, I'll never forget when I was interviewing you in 2004, I immediately gravitated to you because I saw you wearing an Almond Brothers Eat a Peach shirt. <laughs> I can remember that too. And then we started talking about widespread panic. Yes. It's like, oh man, yeah, this guy knows what the deal is here. <laughs> hey man, all the best to you and your family. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, appreciate it, Larry. Thank you, man. All right, Dustin, take care. Have a good one. Bye. Dustin Fry, man, one of the good dudes. One of my favorites for sure. Um, I've enjoyed knowing him over the years and and, and reconnecting here over the last year or so. Appreciate him sharing his time with us. Also appreciate the support of our very loyal sponsors, including Jack Oliver. Most of all, thanks to every one of you for hitting that play button every week or twice this week. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.